of Holiness podcast with Reverend Carolyn Moore and Reverend Pierce Drake. Join us today as we lean into practical holiness, intergenerational relationships, and supernatural ministry. This is a New Room Network podcast. We're so glad you're here. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The Art of Holiness, as always, with Carolyn Moore and Pierce Strick. So good to be with you, this New Room Network podcast. Carolyn, um, we're taking a turn today. We are <laughs> we are taking a turn in our, our podcast. Um, I, I think, um, I hope and pray as we have kind of geared this thing back up over the last month and a half, people who enjoyed the conversations that we had back last fall, I'm telling you, they have been so fruitful and uh, last week's that dropped just a day late, but last week's that dropped with uh, Reverend Mark Sorensen. Just um, here's here's where I felt really bad. Can I be honest? I felt really bad because I was talking to him um, day before last week, right before the episode dropped, and I said, um, "Hey, I'm really excited your episode's dropping." I said, "You know, it's just been kind of crazy." And he goes, "Oh," he said, "I just thought y'all didn't like what I said, so y'all never posted it." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "No," I was like, "We loved you." I was like, my goodness, that would be a horrible move to do to my boss. You know, that's why? right. That's right. And, and and if that's the case, then we didn't like anybody that we've talked to in the last fall. No, <laughs> which is just, absolutely not the case. Absolutely. It's just life happened. Life right. happened last year, early this year, life happened. And so thanks for everybody's grace on that one. So oh, today. Yeah, today we turn, we have new a new episode today. Um, mm-hmm. And so excited. Yeah. Max Wilkins has been a friend for a long time. And we uh, kind of, our connection started with George Acevedo, um, but it got serious when we got on the the board of TMS Global at the same time, formerly known as the Mission Society. He'll share more about that. But when, when I saw Max sharing his heart for global missions on that board and saw the depth of his experience, this was a man who, as a pastor, traveled extensively all over the world, huh. uh, training, encouraging, uh, participating in um, the, the the global effort to witness to the love and care of Jesus Christ. And so that was before he ever got on, uh, became the president of TMS Global. And so I just have a ton of respect for him, a ton of respect, ton of appreciation for his heart and for his depth of experience. And 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 yet he is able to bring it all down to a, a kind of a, a, a cafe table um, conversation. That's right. That's right. And yes. um, so Max served in Florida and Hawaii for couple, more than two decades before becoming president and CEO of the uh, TMS Global. Um, he has led small and large churches. He has been personally, as I've said, personally engaged in cross-cultural mission work for 20 years years in a significant way. And uh, so friends, just enjoy this conversation that we had with Max about what it means to love the whole world the way Jesus loves the whole world. So Max Wilkins, it is great to have you on The Art of Holiness. And I'd I just can't believe we get to do this in the middle of Macklin training, which I know you are stoked because Macklin training is a pretty stoked up thing to do. 
It is. And this year we're doing it in Wilmore, Kentucky, in the midst of uh, Asbury uh, Seminary and wandering around at the university some. And of course, the afterglow of the awakening outpouring that took place here some time ago is still going on. So it's just it's wonderful to be in Macklin at at our, our annual training. And it's wonderful to be in this environment that I love so much. So for those that so don't, yeah, well, real quick, for those that don't know, tell us a little bit about what this is. Yeah, what is yeah. that training and what is TMS Global? Okay, so TMS Global um, began its life uh, almost 40 years ago as the Mission Society for United Methodists, and it was part of the renewal movement um, within the United Methodist Church, but it has branched out uh, through the years to become intentionally interdenominational. We've rebranded, and today we're known as TMS Global, and we're um, a traditional missionary sending agency in the Wesleyan spirit um, with work in more than 40 countries around the world and um, hundreds of cross-cultural witnesses who are joining Jesus in his mission in all kinds of parts. And the organization was founded 40 years ago by H.T. and Alice Macklin, um, who were just wonderful um, kingdom leaders, and they've both gone on to their eternal reward and glory now. And so we have named our annual training event in their honor, and we refer to it as the Macklin Macklin training. But it's the comprehensive cross-cultural work training that we give to all of our cross-cultural witnesses in preparation for them to go out and serve. And um, it's it's always a, a glorious time. I have to tell you that um, I've, I've just have one of our uh, college students has come back from a green light trip to Kenya. Uh-huh. And um, when I asked her, I, I met with her today. And when I asked her, what her you know what was the most profound thing that happened to you i mean she's she spent a month in kenya and she still was able to say it was the training Mm. the training she received beforehand was really special to her so uh for for a 20 year old who's you know looking at a lifetime of uh cross-cultural service um you guys are doing great work well, thank you. And, and you know, the green light for some of your listeners who may not uh, be aware, green light is a program we have for um, high school, college, young adult age people who are more than just casually interested in the possibility of, of working as cross-cultural witnesses or what we used to call missionaries, but maybe don't have it all sorted out yet or just want a taste of it. And so it's a mentored experience of a month or six weeks um, in some place in the world where people can really get a feel and a taste for for what God is doing in that kind of work. And I think it's one of the most wonderful things we have because all of these young people who participate in this just come back transformed. And whether they end up ultimately moving into full-time missionary service or whether they move on to some other aspect of serving the Lord and His kingdom, their lives are just transformed, and it's wonderful to see. It was just so gratifying to me when she she said, I I asked her, was the TMS experience a good one for you? And she said, I hope I get sent by TMS. And that is just the best. And she's just the finest uh, uh, young person. You will love her. So I'm interested in this. 
Um, how did how how did COVID change the mission experience um, or the mission landscape? Um, and 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 was that change permanent, or have things kind of shifted back, or have they gone in some other direction completely? Um, what's been the shift in the global landscape in the last well, three years? Of course, the lockdowns around the world were just uh, extremely right. challenging to navigate when you're when you're working in an environment where you're connected with people all over the globe and suddenly uh, people are not allowed to travel. I mean, we had cross-cultural witnesses that were in the United States on a planned furlough that couldn't return to their oh, place wow. of service. We had people mm -hmm. in some countries that were, uh, you know, we, we, we have this beautiful family living and working in Thailand and they had been there for, I think nine years um, without being able to return home. And part of it was because when it came time for them to um, return home, the lockdowns were such that they simply couldn't leave. And so that, that was tough. And I think the lockdowns caused a lot of people to evaluate whether the Lord was telling them that this was the time for them to transition back to the United States um, and move into something else. But what was amazing to me was um, one, of, one of the core values of TMS Global is spirit-led adaptability, and, and all parts of that are important. You know, we, we do believe those ultimate red letter words in the book of Revelation when Jesus says at the end of the story, behold, I'm making all things new. So those of us that want to embrace the status quo and live with, where there's no change, um, we're seeking the wrong kingdom because uh, our Lord and our King says, I'm making all things new for all eternity. But And so we, we embrace the adaptability, but it needs to be spirit-led adaptability. Um, and one of the most wonderful things coming out of the whole COVID thing to me was the ways in which the members of our community, with the prompting of the Spirit, began to adapt to the reality that is, rather than pining away for a reality that didn't exist. So, we had cross-cultural witnesses in places like Peru that had this unbelievably draconian lockdown that basically had military troops in the streets threatening to shoot anybody that left their house for any reason. And wow. there were literally day laborers who were starving to death with their children with no way to get food. Um, sometimes preventable illnesses were killing people because mm. they couldn't get medical attention. And wow. our cross-cultural witnesses just went out one day and one of our one of our guys basically went up to some of the military people and said, look, um, there are people dying needlessly because of this insanity and I have the means to help. So either shoot me in the street or allow me to um, to make sure that people have food to eat and access to medicine and other things. And they relented and gave him permission. Wow. And for wow. the next two years, um, these cross-cultural witnesses 
essentially kept 350 households in the community where they live some of them some of the most um desperate households there they kept them alive and wow. and it's not hyperbole to say that people were literally starving to death before they started this work. And that, that's just one example. But so many of our people pivoted. And as a result, we were actually, by the grace of God, able to deploy brand new cross-cultural witnesses during the pandemic. Wow. I got to tell you, Carolyn, I don't know that my faith was strong enough to believe that we could actually do that. I was kind of like blown away. <laughs> like, uh -huh. like, really, we can do this? And, you know, it was as if God was saying, you, you think that's a small thing for me? I mean, you know, <laughs> this, this is doable. <laughs> wow. So but it's, it is true. God, God has a way of making all things new, of bringing beauty out of ashes. Um, and so, I, I, what is it? What are you seeing just across the world now, um, where God is redeeming the years the locusts have eaten? Where are you, where are you seeing the great moves of God? Well, of course, there is um, a lot of openness right now to um, uh, to spiritual things all over the place because as people experience the isolation and the suspicion and um, the inability to engage with others during during COVID, a lot of ugly things came to the surface for a lot of people, but with mm -hmm. it came a lot of, mm -hmm. of spiritual questions. And one of the things I think people discovered during COVID around the world, and particularly in emerging kingdom nations in places where Christians are in a distinct minority is that maybe the buildings and all the trappings of religion weren't of primary importance because by necessity they began to meet in in house church settings or in or in smaller group settings or in uh, impromptu discipleship meetings and that has opened up all kinds of possibilities mm -hmm. all over the world. I'm really, I've always been a fan of, of simple church, of house church movements, of disciple making movements. But I've become more and more convinced, especially this side of COVID, that, um, that's the future of the church globally. And I'm hoping even in the United States, but definitely globally. And so many exciting things are happening. And I really think, I don't want to be too much of a homer on this, but I really think that Wesleyan expressions of the Christian faith are so well suited um, to capture this moment and, and really help people live into a healthy, vital expression of the Christian faith that seems to be opening up all over the globe. I'm getting reports, literally reports of, of house church movements flourishing in, in Iran, in Algeria, in Tunisia, in Libya. Um, wow. and, you know, it, it's, these are places that have done everything they could do to kind of squash out even Saudi Arabia. I was having a conversation just the other day about this amazing house church movement that's taking place in Saudi Arabia. And, yeah. and in some ways, 
with kind of the blessings of of the leadership because they don't understand fully that that this is connected with the formal church. I think. Hmm. Wow, that's wow. incredible. That's really great. I've got I got kind of a two part question. I'll go I'll go the, obviously the first one first, but. You said, you said that mission is the reason church exists. So what does yeah. that, what's that mean exactly? Break that down a little bit for us. Well, um, I, I'll try to do it quickly because this is, this is one of my stump speeches and one of the things I'm most passionate about. Um, the birthday of the church, I think we would all agree, is Pentecost. But the precursor to Pentecost was when Jesus ascended. As he was getting ready to ascend, all the disciples were gathered together and all they wanted to know is, when are you coming back? And Jesus effectively said, it's none of your stinking business. Uh, that's kind of the max translation. But that's what he said. Basically, it's not for you to know. It's none of your business. He said, here's what you do. You get down to Jerusalem. You get in a prayer meeting. You wait until you're filled with the spirit because the spirit will come and you will receive power. And that power is for the express purpose of you becoming my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the outermost parts of the earth. As soon as he finished saying that, he ascended into heaven. All the disciples are standing around gaping at the heavens. And I love God's sense of humor in this because he sends a couple of angels that kind of part the clouds and go, hey, why are you guys standing around gaping into the heavens? Didn't the man just give you something to do? You know, get yourselves down to Jerusalem, get in this prayer meeting because the power is coming and you're it. Hmm. And so, you know, the church was born for a purpose. Hmm. The church literally is the called out people. But what are the people called out to? They're hmm. called to join Jesus in his mission. And I've yeah. taught this all over the world. And every time I do, somebody will say to me, oh, well, surely, surely the church exists for worship. And my answer to that is, did God have a worship problem that required him to bring the church into being? Because the clear answer is no. In fact, after Pentecost, they kept worshiping every day at the temple. Why? Because that's where they were worshiping before Pentecost. There was no worship problem. Worship is important and worship is something we absolutely must and need to do, but God didn't need to call the church into being in order for worship to exist. Worship was already going on. What God needed was the called out believers in Jesus Christ to join him in his mission. And that's why we were empowered. So I go so far as to say, and I'll hush with this, but I go, I go so far as to say that any church in quotation marks that's not on mission is not a church best it's a vaguely spiritual rotary club (laughs) i've got no problems with rotary i mean i've I've been a rotarian rotary is fine but rotary does rotary better than the church the world doesn't need a vaguely spiritual rotary Um. club Needs the called out people yeah. of God empowered Amen. by the Spirit joining Jesus in his mission. Amen. Wow. So now part two. <laughs> oh, okay. And because that's that's incredible to go back to Pentecost at the very beginning. And you know, God obviously works through people and people are messed up, right? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> we get complicated <laughs> and and we're messed up. And so, and also hindsight's 2020. 
right? So great motives, great, great um, desires, great intention, um, some wrong methods along the way on a lot of different spectrums, right? No matter what topic you take. And, and mission is not outside of that. Right. Um, it has part of its history and past um, as, as one that we wouldn't be proud of. And, and so I say that because you talk about the Greenlight Project. You said that y'all have rebranded. You've got, you've even changed your language from kind of missionary to cross-cultural witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things, you know, that I've definitely heard, I'm 34 pastor, um, you know, younger generation is, is wanting to um, have a heart for the gospel, have a heart for the kingdom, have a heart for mission, um, but hesitant or, or don't want to step into some of the, the methods that, if we look back over the last hundreds of years, always weren't the best. Yeah. And so, so can you speak on a little bit about what this looks like now, what y'all are focused on, some of the maybe brand changes y'all have made, some of the directional changes um, that, that you guys are stepping in now? Because it sounds like, I mean, now you hear from the other end, Carolyn's, you know, interns like this, the training was the best part. The training was it. I mean, the training was mm-hmm. trip was incredible, but the training. So, like, give some hope to the people um, yeah. on that kind of topic. Well, your your question is one of the most important um, questions, and there's commentary in your question as well, and it's all mm-hmm. valid and true, and it, it, it's vitally important that we address those things. You know, the colonialistic approach to mission was horrific and it missed the mark and despite how bad it missed the mark there is still some positive fruit from that movement but there were lots of problems with it one of the things i shared with our training crew just a couple of days ago is we don't we don't want to overlook how sloppy and ugly the colonialistic part of the mission of jesus was But we also don't want to just conflate that with the totality of Christian mission, because the truth is that was that was 300 years um, and it was a really rough 300 years of some of of some bad practices and bad motives. But that was at the tail end of 1700 years of Christian mission that was often done in significantly more appropriate ways. Mm. but cutting the chase to where we are now, um, first of all, the, the, the mission world has changed dramatically. We used to say even, you know, 40 years ago, we would say, you know, uh, mission is essentially from the West to the rest. And it was essentially Western Europe and North America and occasional help from Australia, New Zealand, you know, sending out missionaries to the rest of the world. Today, we are in an environment of from everywhere to everywhere. The Mm -hmm. church is clearly a global Mm -hmm. church. North Mm -hmm. America and and even more so Western Europe are two of the largest mission fields in the world. And we have more missionaries coming in to try to help shape our, our church culture than we do going out to other parts of the world. But it's literally from everywhere to everywhere. And one of the ways that we're embracing that reality at TMS Global. I said earlier, we're, we're a values-driven organization, and we, we only really have four key values that, we, that are the drivers with us. And integrity is one of them, and we try to do the mission with integrity, spirit-led adaptability, 
people in community is really important to us. So one of the mistakes of colonialism was this idea that people just went out alone in this not what I call parachute ministries where they just dropped people in and they put out their missionary shingle and then started telling people what to do. We we don't operate outside of community. And quite frankly, I don't believe Christianity is intended to operate outside of community. But the biggest value that we have, I think the one that drives pretty much everything else is the value of entering into everything in a humble learner posture. And so part of the reason that you get responses like like were received around um, the green light student that Carolyn was talking about is um, so much of our training is centered on how to enter a different context, mm. humble learner posture, where you take seriously the need to enculturate, um, not compromising your own values, and of course, not compromising the gospel, but understanding that sharing of the gospel always needs to be contextualized, and that this is a, a partnership, and it mm. it engaging with people where they are. And I do think that each subsequent generation, I think, I think the millennials are more in tune with that than the Gen Xers um, and the Generation Z or whatever we're calling the emerging generation now is even more in tune with that than the millennial generation. And this idea of incarnational living of, you know, when, when you look at the, the incarnation with Jesus and in Philippians, Paul says, um, Jesus counted equality with God, not something to be clung to, but emptied himself or poured himself out. And, you know, scholars struggle with how to translate the Greek there because it's complex, but it essentially means Jesus tore himself out of the perfect community that existed between the Father, Son, and Spirit for all time and set aside all his prerogatives, all of his advantages, and in absolute humility came into a specific place in a specific time in a specific culture and engaged people where they lived. And that's a beautiful model for a humble learning approach to incarnational witness. And I think that's the primary difference in, in, in what's effective today in mission. And really it's in part because it takes us right back to the way Jesus modeled it in the first place. Amen. It's great. That's beautiful. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I, and you know, when the person that I was talking about uh, that I talked to this morning, who's just coming back from her green light trip, she, she mentioned humble learner as the thing. Mm-hmm. She and she she even said, "I'm not sure." It, it, she, she said, "When I was going to the training and they were saying stuff, I wasn't sure if it was really gonna, you know, be on. Is this the way it really is on the mission field?" She, yeah, that's the way it really is to actually know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and it's that's deep a, in our DNA for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's been such a shift, hasn't it? From um, from the, I mean models of Christian servanthood have shifted um, and they'll continue to shift. You know, it's curious to think what might, you know, 50 years from now, they might be saying about what we're doing now. But, um, you know, the hope is that every 
every shift takes us a little bit closer to kingdom values and a little bit closer to transparency um yes. and um and 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 closer to freedom as well because that's a big part i think of being a witness in any culture whether your own or anyone else's it's the understanding that um i have free will you have free will my job is not to force you into a mold but to simply get, you know share the light of christ and let you make your decisions from a after getting a fair account of the gospel right um. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And and you know, when we talk about the mission and the mission of Jesus and you know, TMS Global, our mission, TMS Global exists to mobilize and deploy the body of Christ globally to join Jesus and his mission, especially among the least reached people. But the, the focus is on the mission of Jesus. But I always say my if if i if mission is the reason the church exists is stump speech number one my other stump speech that people always get because it's a two-barreled approach is yes the mission of jesus is the reason the church exists but it's important for us to also understand that the mission of jesus is to make disciples it full stop and one of the sad things is that a lot of what passes for joining Jesus in his mission in North America these days is just being nice. And look, we need a little more being nice in our world, but that's not the totality of the mission of Jesus. Right. If disciples are not being made for the transformation of the world, we're not on the mission of Jesus. And mm-hmm. the only way to authentically make disciples is to enter into that incarnational humble learning posture where you can actually get deeply engaged in relationship with people so that the life on life kind of discipleship that jesus modeled and that paul modeled and so many of the first century christians modeled can actually take place so what's what's the what is what's your take on short-term missions these days (laughs) Wow. That's a that's a loaded <laughs> question. Um I, I, I wanna I wanna say at the outset, not only am I uh, still a big fan of short-term mission done done well and done correctly, but I've participated for decades in this. Um I have been concerned uh, over the years on two fronts. One area I've been concerned is that um, the um, uh, the focus of most short-term mission from North America is on what it does for the missionaries. And I actually heard a missiologist say about 15 years ago, for the first time in Christian history, the value of the mission is predicated on what it does for the missionary rather than what it does for the recipients. So over and over, I hear people in the church saying, oh, we've got to do short term mission because our people just return transformed and they just get so much out of it. And I'm like, look, that's great. And that's wonderful. But can we step back and ask the question if this can at least be mutual? (laughs) And if we can have some concern about whether or not the people we're serving are actually (laughs) benefiting from this at all? Because the other piece of it, and this is the ugly reality, is that 
much of what we call short-term mission is not only not helping the recipient communities, but in many cases, it's doing harm and sometimes great, great harm. So my thing about short-term mission today is, look, it's not going away and it probably shouldn't go away, but let's do all we can do to try to find healthy, mutual beneficial, missiologically sound ways for people to be engaged in short-term mission and see if we can at least stop doing damage as we're, as we're doing. If, if I know we have a lot of pastors leading a lot of ministry leaders leading. Um, and so probably a lot of, uh, uh, people who, you know, are lay people in the church, but they're the ones that lead the mission trips or the short-term mission trips, whether that be global or that be down the road. Um, and so if they're wrestling kind of with that same thought process and evaluating their own missional, like what's, what's some resources, we're not done with the conversation, but I wanted to like pause there. What's some resources they can read, think about and begin to process through to make sure that they are living into a healthy um, community of mission. I hope your listeners will believe me when I say that that uh, we did not set this question up in advance. But no. what, a, what a great question, because TMS Global has just produced it has just in the last few months become available. And uh, we've produced something called a short term team training manual. And some who have looked at it, who have been involved with this stuff for decades have said they believe this may be the best resource they've ever seen wow. related to short term team training. One of the things I think is that one of the antidotes to the problems with short-term mission revolves around training. Uh, yeah. You've already heard, we put a significant emphasis on training within TMS Global, and we've come to believe that with the right training, local church short-term teams um, can do quite well. Um, I, that short-term team training manual is available at the TMS Global um, website, which is uh, you maybe put a link in the in yep. the notes for the podcast, but um, it's it's tms-global.org, and uh, that it's an excellent excellent resource, and it's affordable and all of that. I also think pastors or uh, mission leaders in a local church that are doing this kind of work. Um, there are a number of things that would be helpful for them to read out there, but maybe most important right now would be a book that's been out for a while called When Helping Hurts, um, that really kind of gets at the heart of how some of our good intentions that are not well thought through are actually doing more harm than good. Um, there are just so many cringeworthy things that I see when I'm out and about in the mm -hmm. world that run into untrained and unthoughtful short-term teams that are just out. And it, it's, it's bad enough that it's harmful, but it's not just harmful in the community sometimes. It's also harming the name of Jesus, and it's harming um, the reputation of the church. And that's not something any of us ought to want to be part of. Mm. Amen. Yeah, that's that's a really good word. It is a great resource. What I've noticed is that even people who are who are um, 
who, who genuinely want to serve the least, the last, and the lost. They'll, they'll read something like When Helping Hurts. They understand the concept, but the change, the mental change, the the heart change that has to happen is is it remains a very big hurdle for folks because we still want to do something to help, <laughs> and we can't. We you know the 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 relational alternative is hard. Right. It's hard. It is very hard. What we'd rather do is get in and get out before anything blows. What we, you know, but but when uh, the alternative is to be in relationship with people over the long haul, and uh, man, that's that's a hard that's the hard one. And I, I say that as somebody who's you know most of our ministry is right there, and it'll wear on you. Uh, but but and and it's the long obedience. It's that you know um, Eugene Peterson phrase the long obedience in the same direction that um and, and a willingness to be invisible mm. uh, uh to be unknown that's that characterizes i think so much of good mission but that's yeah. hard and some of it comes down to just recognizing that i mean especially as north americans we're equipped with so much knowledge we have access to so many resources and we're convinced that there's no problem out there that we can't solve if people will just get out of the way and let us come in with our knowledge and our resources and solve them but mm -hmm. most of the world doesn't need us solving their problems um they they would benefit greatly from us coming in and helping them come to solutions for their problems and so often it means entering into questioning mode and learning mode. And when I look at Jesus and realize that as the greatest rabbi that ever lived, Jesus spent far more time asking questions than he did giving answers. And I'm like, you know, maybe he was onto something. I'm, you know, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Fairest of 10,000, Bright and Morning Star, all of that. Maybe he knew what he was doing. So perhaps <laughs> yeah. that approach might be helpful for some of the rest of us. Yeah, that's really good. Here's the last question I'd love to ask both of you. If Jesus chose his 12, and you got a handful of women that are with him and they're traveling. Do you think they all wore highlighter yellow shirts and, you know, through the, through their airports and small <laughs> caps? Do you think that that's how he identified them when they were out? I was just, I didn't know if that's in the manual anywhere on that's the, that is the deep millennial in me. <laughs> well, you know, the, there's a there's an, a, a a story that's told all the time around TMS Global Headquarters because the president of the organization prior to me, Dick McLean, got on a plane to go to Costa Rica to meet with some of our people and got on the plane with a mission team from Georgia in bright yellow shirts emblazoned with the words, taking Jesus to Costa Rica. <laughs> and Dick said, I wasn't oh. aware that Jesus had forgotten Costa Rica, you know, <laughs> and we actually tell that story yeah. um, to, to just remind people that, you know, Jesus was there. <laughs> Before we ever showed up. And right. so, you know, the, the shirt thing is, is, is kind of, um, kind of, um, ridiculous sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but there's a more serious, 
note on the question you're asking, and I know, Carolyn, you probably want to weigh in on this too, but um, when Jesus sent his first disciples out on the first missionary endeavors, he sent them out in community, so he sent them out by twos, he didn't send any lone rangers out, but look at what he said to them. First of all, he said, you know, I want you to go out and cast out demons and heal the sick and proclaim the good news of the kingdom, which is a whole nother podcast topic for another day. Um, but then he said, but before you go, set down everything. Mm-hmm. Don't take any money. Don't take any food. Don't take a change of clothes. When you go into a place, accept hospitality from them and be grateful for what you have. He sent his missionaries out as in absolute neediness. Wow. They had to enter into their mission in humility because they weren't bringing anything with them except the good news of the kingdom and the power of the spirit. And what boggles my mind is they come back from the first time he sends them out and they go through a few things. And then one day shortly thereafter, they see Jesus praying and they come up and say, uh, Jesus, um, could you teach us to do that? <laughs> He's like, what, what, to pray? Yeah, could, could you teach us to pray? The first time I, that hit me, I thought, wait just a minute. Jesus sent them out on mission and hadn't even taught them to pray yet. <laughs> I was like, Lord, I, I mean, I know you're the boss, but that doesn't seem like it makes a whole <laughs> lot of sense to me. And then it occurred to me that Jesus knew they had to get in an environment of complete neediness before they would even really understand what it was they most needed in order to be successful. When they came back, they weren't asking for more money or for more skills. They were asking to know how to pray because prayer was going to empower their mission. And so, you know, I I think this whole idea of emptying ourselves as we prepare to step into mission is intensely biblical and vitally important. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I'm going to I'm going to ping on what you just said and also give a little shout out to a um to another podcast that we're doing this month with Scott McKnight. He's just released the second, uh, the second gospel. And he says this in Luke chapter nine, he, uh, he says he, he commissioned them to announce God's empire and to cure the weak. And that when the way he puts it, commission to announce God's empire and to cure the weak. And he said to them, don't lift anything for the path. That is the most interesting way um, he tries really hard in this in his translation of the New Testament for this book to um, to to really do a one for one equivalent for the words, and so it, as he said, feels crunchy. Oh. <laughs> um, but it gives you the opportunity to hear as close to the Greek as you can what it, what these words mean, and don't lift anything for the path. And then and then so the exiting, they went through village by village, gospeling and healing everywhere. So what I'm hearing you say is that part of gospeling, or really maybe the root of gospeling, maybe Jesus said it first, the root of gospeling is emptying, <laughs> or the the prerequisite for gospeling is emptying. That's so good. Yeah. 
I yeah. think so. I think so. And what a blessing it's going to be for your podcast audience to hear from Scott, man. That he's, he, <laughs> he's, he's so he's so wonderful, and his focus yeah. on the kingdom is so precious. It's yeah, just it really important. is. So before we leave, I just want to uh, speaking of the kingdom of God and. Uh, where we see the kingdom breaking in. You and I have had a conversation about the great potential for a Methodist revival around the world. Um, when when I was in seminary uh, 27, six, seven, eight years ago, um, I, I mean, when I, when I went to seminary, I literally would have said the Reformed movement was on its way out. And then, boom, um, the, the Neo-Reformation just kind of exploded across the American scene. Um, and, and great things have happened through it. Um, but I, I, I have prayed earnestly and, um, and boldly for, for the Lord to do the same thing with Methodism. Um, and I like to think that we're ripe for Methodist revival, not just in the United States, but across the world. Um, Weigh in on that, Max. Well, I, I I think you're absolutely right, in my opinion, on everything you said, including I had a very similar experience, only I was a, a little bit further removed. Um, but when I was in seminary, I thought the same thing about the trajectory of the various theological expressions. And then right. uh, my, my thoughts on that proved to be <laughs> very misguided. Yeah. But I do think that some of the aspects of Wesley's, I, I don't want to even say theology because Wesley wasn't a formal theologian. I would say in 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 the Wesleyan stream or way of 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 living into the faith and and kingdom living, some of the major aspects of that just seem to fit so well in the season we're in globally um the emphasis on the life in grace um the emphasis on understanding that god's grace is already at work when we show up and god does have a point to that um but it's not a focal point um it's it, it, it's a life that includes a process of sanctification and being moved from glory to glory into the very image of jesus um, it's very communal oriented, and it's also, I think, um, the melding of deep, intentional, biblical thought with intensely practical meeting of people where they are and 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 coming alongside them to help them embrace the abundant life that Jesus planned to give us, not in the uh, horrific, horrific um, kind of name it and claim it prosperity gospel sense, but in the true sense that Jesus meant it, the, the qualitative abundant life that, that Jesus came to give us. And I think some of the fresh moves of the spirit through the people called Methodists, not, not just here in the U.S., but around the globe. I, I was just in Londrina in Brazil at Central Methodist Church in Londrina 
where they were having um, awakening services every night in the church. And Central Church in Mondrina was just packed. Wow. The Holy Spirit was all over everything. God was breaking people. God was moving people. And God was calling people out to, to pastoral ministry, to church planting, to missionary work. You know, I preached on a Tuesday night and a Monday night and a Tuesday night in this church, just packed full. And they were coming every night. Wow. What prompted them to that was the um, outpouring, awakening, whatever we would want to call it, that took place at Asbury University and in, in Methodist movements around the world. People are saying God is clearly on the move. He's clearly doing something and we want to be a part of it. And in Londrina, they were saying, we don't have to go to Kentucky to experience that, you know, God, God is right here, but I'm seeing similar things all over. Um, met this guy from Spain just a few months ago. He's a Methodist and he was just so frustrated with the state of Methodism in Western Europe that he he basically sort of like consecrated himself as a bishop, but not in any sense of like power and authority or whatever, but just in the sense of I want to be an overseer of people who really want to create a Methodist movement. And this guy has started like a dozen churches wow. in Spain right now and has vision for just just seeing this go all over and you know i'm seeing this springing up in so many places i even think i'll be honest you know i've been a united methodist for my entire uh, uh for my entire life since 1968 when the church came into being and the the events that have gone on of late in the church have been distressing heartbreaking for me in many ways i feel like it's almost been um the death of something that's been a major part of my life for a long time um but i also hear the voice of jesus saying unless a seed falls to the ground and dies um the new life cannot come mm -hmm. forth and mm -hmm. i'm seeing so many early signs of new life breaking forth, even in the midst of the dying of what was. And it's what causes me to come back to what we said earlier, the, this whole idea that Jesus finishes up his gospel by saying, look, I'm making everything new. And when you look at it in the Greek, you can't escape from the fact he doesn't mean I'm doing this this afternoon and then I'm going to be finished. It's like for the rest of eternity, I will continue making all things new. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what new things God is making in, in and amongst the people called Methodists in the world. Yeah. It's exciting times. Yeah. This is why I, I love talking to you and anybody, anybody who's involved in world missions. Yeah. You get outside your little corner of the world and see what's going on yeah. everywhere. It's just so inspirational, so fun. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, Max, thank you for being with us today. Um, it's been a joy and honor. And to be all, all transparency, we did not. I did not know that you had written a document, a training guide, none of that. But I mean, the timing of that's pretty perfect. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do want to be really clear because some of our people may be listening to this. 
All I have the privilege of doing is putting forth the word that we have this short-term mission training manual out there. Our team did this and it was a multi-group effort and I had nothing to do with it. But it, is out, it is outstanding and they, they worked really, really hard. And I hope it really is. I actually had, I actually had the privilege of getting an early copy and uh, used it with a, with the team earlier this year. So it's really, really awesome. Yeah. Great stuff. Thanks for everything that you guys do. Thank you for being with us today, Max. Well, and thank you so much for asking me. It's always a joy to visit with you guys. And um, I, I really appreciate what you're doing for the kingdom as well. There were so many things he said, so many things he said. I, I, I think, um, it really moved me this morning when I was in that conversation with one of our own students who was part of their green light program, went to Kenya, um, had an exceptional experience. It only enriched her desire to become a long-term cross-cultural witness. Um, when she boiled her, the, the experience she had down to just a few words. I mean, first of all, she said that training they gave me was so useful but she boiled it down to those two words that Max also used, humble learner. Uh-huh. And that that is a transferable skill. It's not just for the cross-cultural missionary who's, who's on the field um, in Kenya or in Saudi Arabia or in some part of the world that you might not even be able to mention if you're there. Uh-huh. Um, to be a humble learner in any setting is a true and rare gift. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so much of, you know, what I love about, you know, the funny moment we had about the, you know, the short term uh, trip manual is, Mm -hmm. you know, this isn't just about um, this is both this is both in our kind of world. This is both the Abbey and and the and the seminary. You know, it's it's both the. Uh, the practical, the training, and and the deep theological thought behind it all. You know, I'm so thankful for someone who's leading at that level, has been leading for decades, mm-hmm. um, president of, of 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 this, to say like, hey, like, yeah, we did get it wrong. You know, yeah. like, you know, and 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 what I love, I think that's you know, I think that's what this next generation is looking for is not for perfection, but for authenticity and honesty to go like, Hey, like, yeah, there are things that, you know, we look at and, you know, I think we didn't go down this line of thought, but it's just like, I've just been reminded recently, like some of the deconstruction that's happening in the church right now is because people are reading their Bible. Hmm. I heard that that phrase the other day and I just Uh loved it. I loved it. Yeah. It was a hope filled look to go, Hey church, where this the, the book says this and this is what we're doing. And so, um, so yeah, I loved it. I mean, I think the thing I'm taking away right now, the big thing I'm taking away right now um, is one, in all honesty, I'm going to get the manual because I lead short-term mission trips. Right. That's right. So I was like, okay, <laughs> we go down to Central America a few times a year. And, um, and, and John Holt, who has been our missions pastor and just retired last year here at the Woodlands. I mean, it's just a, a legend. I feel like, he is. Um, He's been your missions pastor since Jesus, I think. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, and then he uh, and then Karen Tyler, who's our newest, doing an incredible job. But this this thought of emptying yourself before you go on mission. Yes. He talked about Scott's McKnight, who we're going to talk to yeah. soon. Um, his translation of of that passage and their practice 
of, of going out in a humble posture of learning. You know, I think that's a great thing we can think of. And the reality is this, is that you don't have to wait till you go on a mission trip to have that thought process. Exactly. The pastor exactly. Before, that's pastor it. Before you walk into preach on Sunday. Right. Yourself again, before you walk into your board team member, before you walk into your vision team, before you walk into your staff meeting, before you mm-hmm. do the hospital visit, before you mm-hmm. walk into HEB or Walmart or wherever Kroger public, wherever, you know, just continually let that be a, let that be a cultural posture in your own heart, no matter where you're going, because you're meeting Jesus where, where he is in all places. So every place becomes mission. And so we're always emptying ourselves. That's it. So, so the trans uh, transferable um, concepts, Uh empty yourself, Uh uh, become a humble learner. Don't Uh operate outside of community. There are Uh no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. And all of it is about the kingdom of God, right? Um, and I, I think I think when de- when deconstruction, the, the, when healthy reconstruction after deconstruction, yep. Yep. is is based on the foundational idea of the kingdom of God. We're here to welcome and advance the kingdom of God. Yeah. Well, hey, my friends, we're so thankful that you're with us. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Hope it's one that maybe you can go back and listen to again. Just yeah. to continue to pull out the 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 goodness in it. Hey, go ahead and check out TW or TMS-global.org. TMS-global.org um, for all of Max and their team's work and how you can be a part, learn from, and maybe partner with and your missional project going forward. We look forward to seeing you at the New Room Conference, hopefully here in just a few weeks down the line. Um, It'll be here before you know it. So grab your ticket, get your plane flight. Unfortunately, my house is booked, but there are hotels in the area. And so um, we hope to see you here. And if you do come and you see us, please let us know. Please let us know that you listen. It's so encouraging, but we'd love to meet you and just get a chance to say hello. We pray that this week has been a blessing, that you can go out and be a blessing to others. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go for it. Pierce, Pierce, can I say it? Can I say it this week? Yeah. We are a New Room Network podcast.